Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. My guest this week is Chris Both, the former Canadian national team player who is a professional volleyball player and a volleyball coach uh, and has been openly gay for quite some time. One of the things I was most interested in talking with him about was looking at how the reception of him being gay in sports in different countries. And he actually has some insights and different differences in experiences depending on the team and the country. We also talk about a study that he's doing of professional athletes who are LGBTQ. What have been their experiences? Uh, and and he's just starting this study. It's a qualitative study. Talking, you know, talking one-on-one with some of these athletes. And uh, so it's, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, he's not just a, 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 an out gay athlete uh, in the pros, but he really wants to dive into the topic with other gay athletes. Anyhow, I hope you enjoy my conversation with, with volleyball player and volleyball coach, Chris Vaugh. Chris, thanks for joining me. Where in, like literally where in the world are you right now? Yeah, thanks so much for having me here. Um, right now, I'm in Gatineau, Quebec, in Canada, uh, coaching with the Next Gen National Team for men's volleyball. What's the Next Gen National Team? Uh, so the the B team has gone through, I guess, a couple rebranding. Uh, when I played, it went through B team, extended A team, and then they now they coined it the Paris 2024 Olympic Team. Um, but at this moment in time, they call it the next gen team. So it's just, um, basically the roster that would fill, um, you know, the A A team, if there were injuries or people had to stop playing, um, potentially even because of Corona reasons, I'm not sure how that process would work now, but, um, it's basically just like the, the team below the A team, um, that kind of fills in when needed. Does this mean that you could potentially be coaching in Paris in four years or I guess three years. Uh, I don't know how the, the coaching structure works. The athletes do move up. Uh, the coaches have a bit of a different process. Uh, and then now with, you know, each Olympic year coming, I don't know which coaches will stay on and which ones won't. Um, I really like working with this group. Like I, of course the guys playing right now in the A team, I grew up playing with and know quite well. Um, so the dynamic might be a little strange if I'm their coach, but I really like this group. We have a younger uh, next gen group than in previous years. And they're, they're kind of on that kind of brink or unsure area in their career um, where they do need to make some improvements. And so I'm able to contribute uh, to their development in that way. Um, and then of course they still need to be connected kind of into the professional realm a little bit. So it's, you know, I feel like I can have more of an impact with the, this younger group, but they're already pretty well established in Canada. So it's really fun to be able to try new things with them. And um, they're very capable of, you know, trying out or experimenting whatever we have laid out for them. You've been in and around elite level volleyball uh, across North America and Europe. And I'm curious what you've observed about the acceptance level in your sport between, I guess, you know, the, the different areas that you've played across Europe, across Canada. Have you noticed a difference of the acceptance level of you as a gay man? Cause you've been out for what now, seven years. Uh, it's been about seven years and there's definitely been 
um, pretty big differences in the amount of acceptance, but I think most of it comes down to experience. Uh, so when I went to Finland, the team had never, or at least the Finnish players on the team had never met a gay man before. And so it was a bit of a culture shock and learning experience for them and myself. Um, so I think really it comes down to, and this is expressed in the literature as well, is when people have more experience with a, you know, set of people, then they're, um, they're more comfortable and they're able to, you know, act in more respectful ways. Um, so I would say that most of it comes down to that experience, but it's definitely uh, different in a lot of, a lot of countries. They're, you know, with the uprise of the LGBT free zones in uh, parts of Eastern Europe. I know that's a pretty concerning thing that is going on. Um, but with that being said, Netherlands was one of the most accepting places I've ever been to and lived in. So um, it's definitely, you know, every country has their problems and, um, but it's just overall, I think there's, there's quite a bit of variance between them. Yeah, the Netherlands is extremely accepting. I've been there a couple of times. Um, Amsterdam is one of the gayest, gay friendliest, actually just one of the friendliest cities that I've ever been to. So that's not surprising, but I want to talk more about that experience in Finland. You said it was a learning experience for you being there in an environment where these people had never met a gay person before. What did you learn? Well, I, it was also new for me. Like I had just come out a couple of years earlier and uh, I didn't really know how to change professional teams, never mind as a, as a gay athlete, but just changing teams in general and having to reestablish yourself and um, get to know everyone again on, a, on another level. And, um, and so that was an experience, but then also just adding an extra layer of my sexuality being a potential problem because same-sex marriage wasn't legalized in Finland when I arrived. And, um, and so I think kind of the perspective was that it was a bit of a taboo. And uh, I, I also wasn't sure kind of which of the athletes were aware of it or not. Um, there was some media around my signing with that team because it was the year that I lost a contract for being gay. And so it was kind of, you know, uplifting news that I was able to make it onto that team. And, uh, and so I figured that they probably, you know, knew that I was gay, but it, yeah, it, I didn't want it to be the elephant in the room. And so my strategy with that was just basically to, to break the ice using jokes and humor. And, um, you know, if someone wasn't comfortable with it, then I would probably just keep hammering away with jokes until eventually they would either start asking me questions or making jokes themselves, um, just to show, you know, their comfort level. I love that. I, I've talked to a lot of athletes who talk about that similarly, similarly um, using humor. And then, like you said, the, the athletes kind of signaling that there's a comfort level by using humor back. Um, like what, what were some things, do you remember some things that you would say or, or do that, that to, to kind of bring some ease? Uh, nothing, I, like I'll, I'll think about that as I respond. Uh, but where I kind of got that from is I thought about bullies 
And how do you deal with someone who's a bully and much bigger than you and, you know, maybe physically trying to injure you? Um, like, how can you kind of distract them or, you know, kind of get them to look in a different way? Um, and especially when you think of like movies or TV shows, then humor is usually the way how someone like will get out of that situation. So maybe, you know, deeply rooted in my subconsciousness, that's where I kind of got the idea from. Um, I, I, we did have one player on the team in Finland who just became a dad. And, uh, and so kind of jokingly, but not jokingly, I commented that, you know, like, what if your son is gay? And he was very taken back by that. And I think that's when it really hit him about his own, you know, beliefs. And then it be kind of came a joke that we would, that we would use. Um, and he really didn't enjoy it at first, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they just, eventually we just kept hammering away and, and then, uh, yeah, I, he started, I think being more comfortable and realizing that we were just joking, um, and that there would be nothing wrong with it, you know, like maybe he is gay. Um, and now it's a couple of years later. I haven't, I haven't spoken to him, but you know, that would be an interesting question to ask him <laughs> a few years later. You know, that's God. I've had the same situation where I, I've I've encountered people. Um, I remember a, an old high school teammate of mine who is a born again Christian, and I went back to my high school and and kind of gave a talk about being gay, and he showed up and you know said, "I don't, you know, I don't want you, um, you know, trying to tell my son that he has to be gay friendly," and I and I. I kind of pointed out to him, like, your son could be gay. <laughs> he didn't like that either. I, that's probably not what people who have issues with gay people want to hear. For sure. And yeah, and those situations, I think it's, it's always nice to use humor. I'll, something like a lot of the jokes don't come to mind because they're just like quick kind of jabs. But one of the things that um, I think is really important is when athletes do come out, there's a tendency for their teammates to just want to treat them uh, like every other athlete, like, a, you know, as they would say, normal. Um, but then what happens is, is they're kind of playing a bit more to the straight side of kind of how they know that person. So they might even still ask them their views on the attractiveness of a woman and not acknowledging the fact that they did come out as gay and not giving them that validation. Um, and so my jokes would kind of be directed in that way, where if they did ask me something in that way or um, something about women or whatever, then I would make a joke back at them that was clear that, no, I'm not responding to that. I'm gay, you know, and then it would it would serve a, a dual purpose. It would make them relax a little bit, but also reinforce the fact that, you know, you can't play to the straight side. Um, I'm going to continue to just be gay. <laughs> and so uh, that's, yeah, I think that's important for athletes to, um, on like gay athletes and straight athletes to realize that when someone does come out, you don't want to just treat them like normal. Um, as they would say, you, you want to, you know, maybe ask them questions about their, their taste in guys or um, whatever. But I think it's a little offensive to, um, continue to ask them about women if that's what you did in the past or to just try and you know pretend like you didn't find out that he was gay um, 
So I think a lot of my jokes were probably in that realm as well. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of athletes say that they really like when their teammates will, um, after they come out, will will joke with them. Um, you know, I I think you know tease them about you know somebody they're, they're some guy they're dating or or something like that because it, it's a signal that um, yeah to your point if you're if you're able to joke around with your gay teammate about the fact that he's gay it just raises this comfort level and lets him know that okay we we are we acknowledge who you are we accept who you are um, but you're still we're going to treat you the same in that you are going to be the butt of jokes. However, I have talked to a few athletes, gay athletes who hated that, who, who felt that, that that kind of joking was, was came from a bad place, even though their teammates, you know, when I've talked to the teammates, you're like, well, I didn't think it was bad. So it's like, it's a delicate balance because sometimes I, the gay athlete really doesn't want to, really doesn't want to be the butt of, of gay jokes from their teammates. Yeah, definitely. And I think you see this with not only gay players, but a lot of different populations where it could be like a microaggression where you keep joking about something that the person doesn't want to joke about. Um, and that's kind of where my, my more sharper comments would come in into play where, you know, I, I do say a joke but it's also has that dual purpose where it's to, to send them some sort of message, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I think that like, that's my strategy. Everyone's going to be different. So some people don't want to address their sexuality and they don't want to talk about their team, uh, about it to their team. And I think that's okay too, you know, like everyone's going to be different. So um, that could just be a conversation that you can have with your teammates or, uh, you know, something that just kind of comes up now and then. But in my experience, I've always been very close with my teammates. And especially within Canada, those are my best friends in the world. Um, so, you know, it was it was different for me because I, I grew up playing with them and we knew each other quite well. Um, but I think over the years, you kind of develop that relationship where people kind of learn the boundaries um, and learn when, you know, enough is enough and then it's okay. But um, yeah, I definitely can see the point that it would be a little too much if everyone is joking about it all the time, then it, it does become inappropriate. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, like you said, a fine line. And, um, I think important to get that balance. Yeah. That's being teammates, right. Feeling each other out, making sure that what you're doing is, isn't actually really pissing somebody off. Yeah. Um, so one of the things you mentioned was that, uh, and this is what I've found people, People view, people in the United States view Europe as this, you know, um, very uh, left-wing, LGBTQ-inclusive um, place. And what I've found over the years in talking to a lot of people uh, is, is that sports in North America are actually generally a more welcoming place for LGBTQ people than in Europe. And certainly places like Russia or, or Poland, it's, it's really bad, but, but even in um places like you know, uh, England and France that are that that are seen by Americans as being really gay friendly the sports scene there isn't as friendly and and that's kind of what you hinted at yeah I think uh like overall I would say every country has their their good and their bad and so it's difficult to paint 
a country with one brush. Um, Because even within Canada, like I know a lot of people in Canada who have experienced homophobia in sport. And so even though that Canada likes to tout themselves as being very inclusive and diverse, um, we still have our problems, of course, like any country. And there's still a lot of room for growth. And so I think it's a, a good indication is the openness to that growth. And so, you know, that's where some countries in Europe develop these LGBT free zones because they're not open to growth. They don't want to learn about um, how to be more inclusive and what the, you know, all the positives of being diverse. Um, But I think that in North America, we do kind of see the value of that because our countries were founded on, you know, having a diverse population and bringing in immigrants from different countries, um, where a lot of other countries, it's more protectism you know, where they want to preserve their own history and preserve their own culture. Um, and so they're very, you know, standoffish when, when something new comes in. And I think that's not just with sexuality or gender, um, but with a, a bunch of other, you know, things as well. We've been working with the University of Winchester and the Sports Equality Foundation on a study that I had I mentioned to you that really looks at the environment for high school and college athletes in Canada and the United States um, when they come out on their teams. And what we found is, you know, not universal, like nothing is universal, but overwhelming level of acceptance that I'm, I'm super excited to, to share with everybody in a couple of months. You're doing a study uh, on, on this issue as well. What does that look like? Yeah, so I was really excited to hear about all the positivity coming from that study. Um, one of my concerns about uh, just focusing on the high school, college athlete kind of realm is that there's no follow-up with those athletes. So when they do come out in college, most of them will just stop playing afterwards. Um, And for me, as a gay professional athlete, it was difficult to get on teams. And I mentioned previously about how a team actually ended my contract once I already had signed it um, and didn't honor any of the conditions because I was gay and they just said, no, like, sorry. Um, I think that that is one of the the major things for professional athletes and so which which doesn't get um you know spoken about when you when you work with high school or college athletes because they will predominantly stay with their institution throughout their careers so with the professionals there's a different dynamic and there's different things that could happen um and you know so my my study is focusing just on those professional athletes and then also another kind of layer to that is distinguishing between team sports and individual sports. So there has been a steady rise of gay athletes coming out, um, but they're predominantly in playing individual sports and um, where, you know, you're in charge of your own, your own destiny. You can, you know, train by yourself. You, you know, you compete by yourself, Uh, but on a team, like I said, it's difficult to get on those teams. It could be difficult to be accepted on those teams and uh, there's a, a whole bunch of issues that come with that. And so that's kind of what my study is focusing on is just exploring the experiences of these team sports professional athletes um, who identify as gay. And that'll be a worldwide study. So it's not focusing on any country in particular, um, as well as any sport in particular. 
Well, that's great. And when we started developing our survey, we really wanted to do it's with we wanted to do quantitative and qualitative. And designing a quantitative study, one of the things that we found was it was hard to create something um, that that applied to high school, college, and professional athletes. And what we found is if we just focused on the high school and designing something for the high school and college athlete, um, that 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 we could just create a better, we could get better data because number one, there just aren't a lot of um, out professional athletes who are men uh, and who been or who have been out on their teams. And two, it, to your point, it's a different, it's a different data set that you want. Uh, uh, kind of, um, it's just it's just a different dynamic. So it's that's awesome because I think absolutely like approaching professional athletes from a qualitative um, um, approach, I think is exactly how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. And I, I can appreciate for quantitative data too. It's nice to have a lot of data to, um, to work with. And I think there is a really nice connection between the high school and college. And so it's great to be able to combine those. Um, another thing that, that I, I, felt in my own career at least, is that when you come out on a university level, you, you're freshly come out, you don't really realize a lot of the perhaps microaggressions that are happening um, that might only have in, an impact later on. So a lot of people, I think um, like you've, you've reported countless athletes coming out and, um, and I think predominantly, I don't, I don't know the stats, so you can maybe help me out with that one. But I would say close to 100% would say that it was a positive experience. Uh, and I think there's a few reasons why you would see that. But what's interesting with professional athletes is mostly they'll come out, uh, well, usually it's afterwards. But if they do come out, it's probably before they start playing. I think it's difficult to come out once you're already playing professionally. Um, and so once, once they are in that professional realm, they have had time to reflect a little bit. Um, and maybe then there, you can get some other, you can ask kind of more in-depth questions on how they didn't realize, uh, how they were being impacted at the college or high school, uh, ages, and then, you know, go in depth with that line of questioning. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm interested in. And um, the fact that high school and college athletes, I think also it's just a sign of the times, but um, that we are improving in terms of inclusion. I think it's so fantastic that that study was done. And I was, I was working as hard as I could to, uh, to get that link out to as many people yeah. that I knew, um, because I just see such value in that. And, and to know that it's improving and that people aren't going through the same you know, experiences that I went through personally and that, you know, other people from my generation, older generations have gone through, I think is so heartwarming and um, just so fantastic. I just, I just hope that we can, you know, use the model that North America has gone through and is going through and, you know, allow other countries to, uh, to model themselves off of that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of I, what I really appreciate is that your, your study, your, you're talking to athletes who've actually come out. And I think that one area where we spend too much time is asking people, um, what do you generally think of homophobia in sports? Or um, asking people who've never been out in sports what it, about the acceptance level. And I think it's hard asking someone who came out well after they retired, 
um, if they w- would be accepted by their teammates. Because how how can you know? And so many people stay in the closet because they don't think they'd be accepted by their teammates. Um, but when they come out, they're surprised by the support. So yeah. I, that's I appreciate you talking to people who've, who've you know actually been out in sports. I think they're the ones who really give you an idea of what the the real acceptance level is yeah and just just to um clarify too when i say out i i don't mean necessarily that it's publicly that they're out Uh, it's it's going to be a mix between publicly out and you know closeted i guess um but the if i did say out it would be because Obviously, they had to have told someone, whether themselves or me or someone else, for me to know that they're gay. Um, so it, it's not just going to be publicly out athletes. I think about half of them will be closeted. Um, but it will be interesting to, to hear their perspective and, and compare, okay, what do the out athletes think compared to what, you know, actually did happen. So there's, there's a kind of a cool dynamic that'll be hopefully emerging from that. No, that's great. In our, in our study, one of the questions we ask is, how many people on your team were you out to? Yeah. Was it one? Was it, was it, was it, was it two? Was it more than half? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you don't have to be publicly out to be out. You, you can, and, and, and to understand um, where your, where your teammates are coming from. So I, I know I didn't, I didn't take it as everybody you were talking to as publicly. Okay. Yeah. I, I just wanted to, to make sure. Cause I, it's easy to misspeak. So I, I just wanted to, to make sure, but I love that question. Um, yeah. And it gives me so many ideas for my own kind of interview guide. Uh, one of the ones I have now is how do they decide who to come out to? Um, Cause I think that's a pretty interesting one regardless mm. of, of who they're out to. Like, is there only one person on the team and what did they do to make them feel comfortable to come out to them? So um, like, these are the types of things that just get my mind you know, rolling. And I just love it. I, I wish I could talk to these athletes for like, like a hundred hours because <laughs> I have so many questions, but. Um, one yeah. of the, one of the, one of the things on that question that you ask is how did you choose to come out to something you may want to consider is how did you choose the first person to come out right. to? Yeah. I think, you know, that, that it's that first person that is the, is the biggest hurdle. And I think that people are probably looking for signals and it would be interesting to hear what kind of signals they use to decide who that person is. Uh, you're gonna have to give me a second. I'm just writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> you're brilliant. We need to talk more often. What are we doing here? This is- uh, well, again, we, we spent three months developing this survey. I mean, we, we, we took a, we, the, the, the questions we asked and you know, with a with a quantitative survey, you uh, you know you only have somebody's attention for so long. So you can only ask so many questions for sure before they just say, "I'm done with this. I'm I'm leaving." Yeah. So <laughs> with a qualitative study, you can spend a little more time because you're actually you know talking to them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, well, Chris, well, let us know when when um, you're looking for some people to talk to because you could probably help you out with that. Oh, I really appreciate that. I'm going to, I'm going to write down your question and I'm going to add that into my ethics recruitment strategy so that, uh, so that I can utilize that. Cause I know that you definitely have some, some fantastic people to talk to.
Yeah, don't piss off the ethics group. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I know that it, everything needs to be perfect. <laughs> well, Chris, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time and and chatting with me and catching up. I can't believe that we've I don't think we've ever actually spoken before. So it was really great when you reached out yesterday. I'm like, oh, I we 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 need to talk. So thank you for making the time. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, and I really appreciated you were on the uh, NFL panel. Uh, yesterday and so I, I appreciated the you know the uh, sentiments that you expressed there and that's why I reached out and we've we've been I think on emails but nothing official so um, it's been great to meet you and I, I thank you so much for having me on here. You can follow Chris Voth on Twitter at Vothster V-O-T-H-S-T-E-R kind of fun. Instagram is Chris Voth if you just search Chris Voth I'm sure it'll come up. Uh, I appreciate you listening this week and it was great to see and hear Chris talk about really studying these issues. Next week, we will not have an episode. It was 20 years ago that I was at the Crown and Anchor in Provincetown and I saw a guy across the dance floor essentially wearing a white t-shirt and before I even met him, I decided that that was gonna be the person that I spent the rest of my life with. That was 20 years ago. I'm going back to that bar for the 4th of July this year with that same person, my husband, Dan. So I'm I'm not gonna have a podcast next week, uh, July 5th. So maybe we'll rerun something, I don't know, but um, appreciate you. We're gonna be back the following week. We will have by then announced um, the, the, our first iteration of Team LGBTQ, the out LGBTQ athletes that we know of, will be at the Olympic Games. So stay tuned for that. It'll be a, a, a great episode and, and something, uh, a real source of pride. And I hope you have, uh, Americans, a great Independence Day holiday. And for everyone else, <laughs> we will talk to you in a couple of weeks.